Hello and welcome to this edition of the NAESP Advocacy Podcast. My name is Danny Carlson and I'm NAESP's Associate Executive Director for Policy and Advocacy. On today's show, we're going to be talking about early education leadership. It's a hot topic and one that NAESP members are increasingly interested in and engaging in. To discuss the topic, we've brought in two experts. They're both from an organization called New America, which is a policy organization here in Washington, D.C. Laura Bornfield is the Director of Early and Elementary Education with the Education Policy Program at New America. She leads a team of writers and analysts that work on new ideas for improving children's birth through third learning experiences. Bornfriend has authored numerous reports on early and elementary education issues. Abby Lieberman is Senior Policy Analyst on the Early and Early and Elementary Education Policy Team at New America, where she provides research and analysis on policies that impact children from, grade, from birth through third grade. She has been the lead author on multiple policy papers as well. Laura and Abby, thanks for being on the NASP Advocacy Podcast. Thanks for having us. All right, looking forward to it. Well, let's jump in. So early education leadership, um, we're going to talk about that today, um, kind of what it looks like, the importance of it, um, you know, some examples of it around the country. But before we do that, um, let's first make sure that we have a good understanding of what we're talking about when we say early edu- education leadership. So Abby, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. So, you know, we know that elementary school principals play a vital role in determining the quality of education that students receive, and this includes all children under their charge, which more and more commonly means pre-K students. And and if you define early education as spanning up through third grade, as we and many others do, um, then elementary school principals have always overseen early education classrooms. So there's really been um, a renewed emphasis over the last decade or so to recognize that children in K-3 classrooms learn differently than upper grade students, um, especially kindergarten and first grade. So these grades should really look closer to high quality pre-K classrooms than they do to fourth through sixth grade classrooms. Um, And so, you know, making sure that principals um, understand the right kind of learning environment and instruction that are present in pre-K through third grade classrooms is really important. And, And at the same time, there's also been a shift Um, and expectations of the school principal. So, you know, principals are expected to be instructional leaders now. They're choosing curricula, um, evaluating teachers, choosing professional development, and sometimes they don't have a background in child development or might not know how young children learn best. So, in, you know, to put put it briefly, an early education leader is, you know, someone who understands what young children need and can make decisions to support their success. So when entering a kindergarten classroom, an early education leader would know, for instance, that children sitting quietly at desks completing worksheets is, is not a great sign. <laughs> no, that makes that makes sense. And and when we say early education leader, so you, you mentioned the elementary school principal, and for the reasons that you mentioned, that that, that includes through third grade. So technically, uh, an elementary school is kind of half, generally half, half their students are kind of, you know, in in early ed. Um, but this can also mean um, uh, like center directors at, 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 at Head Start uh, places as well, right? Yes, yeah, so it could also include, um, you know, we look at early ed as the whole birth through third grade spectrum. So it also includes um, center directors, whether that's 
and Head Start program, a community-based organization. Um, there are also earlier learning leaders who need to, you know, need to have that balance of understanding how young children learn, um, but also that managerial um, experience as well of how to run their own programs when it comes to center directors. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so Laura, we have a good sense of kind of who this person is now, um, but let's talk a little bit about what are some of the sort of challenges around the role? Um, I think Abby alluded to this idea of instructional leader. Um, when we talk about it, you know, in, in sort of the, the school leadership realm and sort of principles, we talk about instructional leadership and what principles do to support effective teaching, um, the sort of nuts and bolts of, of actually what is good teaching. So what are some, let's first start with kind of, um, you know, what are some of the gaps that, that you've seen and researched around um, early ed leadership and, and, and sort of what might be some of those gaps in skills and knowledge that folks might have? Yeah, sure. So starting with, um, you know, principals, we know that they bring their past expertise, typically, you know, as, as teaching, um, as teachers, sometimes other roles as curriculum specialists, uh, maybe even guidance counselors, those types of things. Um, a lot of times that teaching experience um, is with older kids, um, high school, middle school. We know they also bring whatever knowledge they've gained from their teacher prep programs and principal prep programs. They bring, you know, whatever's driving them to become a principal. Often, you know, that might be providing high quality, you know, education for, for kids. But we, we also know it's impossible for any principal or, um, you know, center director too to have a deep knowledge um, and prior experience in all of the content areas and grade levels uh, in their buildings. Um, and so over the, the past several years, we've conducted you know, a handful of focus groups with elementary school principals and center directors. We've done um, you know, many one-on-one -on -one interviews. We've visited um, you know, schools and centers, and we've sat in on some different professional development opportunities provided for principals and center directors. And in doing this, um, we've, we've learned a few things. So we've we've talked in talking to principals. You know, they've told us that they, um, you know, among the principals we've talked to, that that they don't feel well equipped to provide, um, you know, strong feedback to a kindergarten teacher, for example. Like when they go in to do a, a teacher evaluation, that they feel that they don't um, have what they need to to really provide strong. Um, you know, ideas on how to uh, improve a learning environment or how to improve a lesson. So that's that's one one area. Um, we also have seen that um, you know leaders might not recognize, or they do recognize that pre-K and the early grades are important, um, but they don't necessarily understand that a Play-based learning, for instance, is really what's appropriate for, for young kids. We've seen, um, you know, principals, as, as Abby um, kind of alluded to in her previous question, that principals who are happier and feel more comfortable seeing um, kindergartners sitting quietly at desks, um, you know, completing uh, either listening to whole group instruction or completing, you know, worksheets rather than seeing them, um, you know, in a 
kitchen play area engaged in some kind of dramatic play going on that's connected to a book that they just read um, or some learning objectives that the teachers have. Uh, so principals in, in that way, uh, and, and in some cases more so than um, center directors, may not realize that that deep learning is taking place when children engage in play, and that play and academic instruction um, really can and should be one in the same. They're not in conflict. Um, with each other, and and I've heard others say that that, and it's it's really true that the play is really, um, you know, for this age group, what experiential learning, hands-on learning, looks like. Um, and so that's that that's one key area. I think center directors, um, you know, there's there's not a set really where principals often, um, you know, have to become a principal, you go to, um, whether it's through an ed educational leadership program or depending on the state, some other kind of principal preparation, there's not that same kind of um, just generally accepted preparation to become uh, a center director. And so a lot of times they're coming at it from opening a center as a, as a business. Um, and and mm. so when they seek out training, it's it's more from that um, business side of things, managing people, managing a business. And so whatever the state requires, they may have some additional child development um, requirements that they have. Many are required to have a child development associate credential, but they don't necessarily have the um, the uh, pedagogy side in, in, a, in a way that, um, you know, principals are expected to. And so there's a, um, in, in so we've talked about the importance of really bringing these leaders together, um, both those who are um, pre-K leaders, Head Start program leaders, and principals together um, to provide, to think about how to provide those stronger transitions for kids from one program to the next, um, and even, um, you know, a stronger connection across data assessments, curriculum, instruction, um, even professional development for teachers across the artificial divide that many see birth to five and um, kindergarten through fifth grade as, as having. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So you touched on a couple of things. You touched on um, sort of preparation, which obviously something like this, um, which is when I say this, I'm referring to kind of early education leadership writ large. Um, it's multifaceted. There's a lot of <laughs> components, things like um, child development and, and, and a lot of issues that encompass um, developmentally appropriate teaching. And so the prep side of that is, is obviously very important. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But um, there's also this kind of element that, you know, you've got folks, principals and, and other school leaders who are, who are already in the role and, you know, Mm -hmm. districts or states might sort of say, huh, we've got this issue where we're seeing a lot of um, early ed environments, um, settings in elementary schools, and yet our school leaders aren't necessarily equipped um, to kind of, you know, to support this. Um, so Abby, shifting gears a little bit, what is, what's your sense in terms of why districts and states um, might be a little bit behind, or maybe I shouldn't assume that, but um, are our states and districts um, sort of behind a little bit on this in terms of prioritizing what is clearly a, a very significant and important issue? Yeah, so you know, there's a strong body of research showing the importance of school leaders. And as a result, there's been a movement in many states to improve leader preparation generally and professional development. 
in recent years. And the same goes for early learning. There's a lot of more and more research all the time backing the importance of early learning. Many states have been expanding access to pre-K and investing in young children. But unfortunately, these movements often do not come together. So and just, you know, despite the importance of children having access to a strong continuum of early learning, where, you know, from pre-K up through the early grades and, you know, having that learning build off of each other each year, there's just still this disconnect between the early learning world and the K-12 world. And I think this is really the problem. So, for instance, I'm working on a paper right now on Illinois' uh, principal preparation reforms. Um, they're one of the only states that are really incorporating early learning into preparation. Um, and so I've talked to a lot of people in Illinois, and other states have reached out to the leaders of this work in Illinois for assistance with their own principal reform efforts, but they have yet to have a state reach out to them who's interested in incorporating early education changes into principal reform. Um, so definitely, it definitely is a problem, and you know, I think a lot of it is that we're asking so much of principals these days. Principals have extremely demanding jobs, and there's there's really only so much that can be covered in a preparation program or in their limited professional learning time. Um, you know, often they feel pressure to meet standards and improve student test scores, which leads to a focus on later grades. So they have they have competing priorities, but the goal isn't for principals to be experts in every area or every subject or every grade level, but they do need this basic understanding of all areas, at least enough to know how to direct teachers and families to the right supports. Um, so on the bright side, there are a small but growing number of states and districts that are investing in professional learning for principals. Um, to equip them to strengthen pre-K in the early grades, and NAESP is supporting this work in a few states that we've been following. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, thanks for the shout out. Uh, the, uh, we have NASP's um, Pre-K-3 Leadership Academy. Um, is uh, We're engaged in a few states, um, Alabama, Michigan, Nebraska, um, and, and, and quite frankly, to, to base it, we've, we've heard from members over the years just that there's this this gap um, in terms of their preparation, which you both have alluded to. Um, and right now, you know, uh, it's it's not a huge priority on on sort of the higher ed side. Um, and so this is a this is a gap filler in the in the continuum to to provide kind of what is, um, you know, basically PD um, additional PD for folks who who need it. And so, um, yeah, we're, we're 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 very proud of that program, and we're 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 looking for additional partnership opportunities. Uh, with other states. So thanks for that. Um, so Laura, we are talking about prep, prep and we're talking about kind of what's, what um, these folks need to kind of be able to do this job well. So what, what is actually, I mean, what does kind of concretely, we've talked about, you know, things like play and some things like that, but what does effective support for developmental appropriate teaching look like? Would, in your experiences when you've you know, been around the country and, and you've seen uh, this early ed leader um, who's, who's, who has kind of, who has the understanding, the skills and knowledge to, to kind of lead this work and is doing it, what does it look like? What does it sound like? Yeah, um, so Abby and I have both kind of offered that example of, um, you know, a principal or another, uh, early ed leader walking into a classroom and being happy or um, unhappy with seeing, you know, kids sitting in 
desks doing worksheets or listening for extended period of time to whole group instruction. So I would start with kind of, um, you know, that picture for a leader walking into a classroom and seeing that, what, what do they do? What's their response? Um, and I would say that when the response is um, feeling good about that, <laughs> that's not going to foster developmentally appropriate teaching for pre-K, kindergarten, first grade, um, versus like pulling the teacher, you know, aside at, at an appropriate time and, um, you know, encouraging them to do something different. So in early childhood, I would say supporting developmentally appropriate, appropriate teaching is going to be the leader allowing things like blocks, dramatic play areas, um, and other play items, or dare I even call them toys in the classroom, um, that are connected to, um, you know, books and, and literacy materials and science projects and math learning that, that are connected to the um, learning objectives, curriculum, and standards that the teacher is teaching to. This leader would be encouraging teachers to promote opportunities in the classroom for student talk, talking to each, to each other, talking to adults, uh, for, for exploration and for them to, in some cases, ex the, the child to explore their, their own ideas and interests um, and choice. And it also would include um, enabling teachers and even across the school establishing um, uh, practices that set appropriate expectations for young children for things like time in whole group instruction, volume in the classroom, um, an understanding of really how long young children are um, really able to sit still and listen um, and and uh, not get squirmy and, and distracted. Um, and have have appropriate expectations for how long kids can really be silent, walk down the hall in a straight line, those kinds of things. To value time for resource and outdoor play um, that that is you know less structured. And then lastly just say to have um, you know policies in the classroom but also school wide that set um, appropriate discipline practices and an understanding that, you know, kindergartners, for instance, who may be seen as acting out are really just acting like five-year-olds. <laughs> yep, exactly. No, thanks for that. That's, that's really helpful. Um, that's very specific and, and that makes a lot of sense. So what I, so what I hear is it's, it's both this, there's an understanding where um, a, a school leader would, would kind of walk by that classroom and, and see what, what could otherwise be seen as, you know, maybe a less order and structure and, and know that that actually could be really good learning happening. Um, and then there's also the, the piece, what I, what I hear you saying is there's the piece of kind of the, the real, what is instructional leadership and actually working with, with the teachers to, to, to be able to help them see sort of gaps and identify learning goals and, and how they're going to get there using data and then things like that. Exactly. Okay, great. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, go ahead. Did you have something to add? I was just going to say, um, so exactly to that point, a, a, a kindergarten classroom that is 
really alive with kids working together on the floor using a variety of materials and somewhat noisy um, isn't necessarily chaos. <laughs> Um, there is some real deep learning that is likely happening in that classroom. And so to value that um, and, and help promote that. Yeah. Well, and isn't there even just um, just the idea that like the younger, the younger the children are kind of like the, the, um, the less amount of time, right. That like they can be generally speaking, sitting in the same place and the activities. And so that like, like, really the variety of activities and how much movement there is and keeping them kind of like stimulated for periods of time is, um, is, is obviously a challenge, but the younger they are, um, that that's got to be kind of part of it as well. Yeah, for sure. And I know adults have trouble sitting in a session <laughs> for 30 minutes, just listening. Um, and so to, uh, expect that, kind of length, um, even 20 minutes can be long, depending on the age of just sitting and absorbing content. Um, that's, that's not going to lead to, to real learning on the topic you're trying to teach. Yep, absolutely. Okay, so that's what it looks like kind of at a, at a micro level in terms of an individual um, school leader who's, <clears throat> who's well-equipped to be able to support this work. Um, so let's talk a little bit about um, kind of scale and maybe districts or, or states um, or even um, sort of, yeah, states and states and districts that are, are doing this well. Um, Abby, I, I know um, when you all kind of go, when you travel around and go to conferences and, and sort of different things, you, you both, I think my understanding is make an attempt to visit schools and, and see a lot of this in action. Um, so just curious, can you share a few examples of some of those states or districts that are, that are doing this well, A, and then, and then why? What are they actually doing to, you know, to make this work happen? Sure. So, you know, we've seen a few different professional development models for principals around pre-K third um, that are different but promising. And, you know, there's, there's no agreed upon right way to equip leaders to support young learners, but there are agreed upon components of effective professional development. So looking for you know, PV that is ongoing, data-driven, job-embedded, et cetera. Um, and this kind of professional learning is rare because it can be so resource-intensive. But two examples that we highlighted in a recent blog series um, that I think are worth sharing are, um, one is in San Antonio, the, there are two districts that are working with the new teacher center. Um, so in these two districts, all elementary school principals are required to participate in the professional learning, which is, which is interesting that it's required. Um, so I think that can be helpful in reaching all principals, especially those who, you know, might not be as open to incorporating early learning um, or understanding early learning better. And one component of this program is that there is an intensive coaching model where Throughout the school year, a professional coach does individual walkthroughs with, with each elementary school principal of their school, um, going into pre-K, kindergarten, sometimes later grade classrooms, and really discussing after each after each classroom visit, you know, what in that classroom um, did you see that models instruction that the research says is best for young children, and and what doesn't, and what can we, how can we help that teacher, um, you know, achieve that. And so I think having principals really have that one-on-one -on -one PD and really go into their own classrooms and be able to see it is, is really, really valuable. Um, and then the other one that I wanted to mention is, you know, we kind of talked about 
the NAESP Pre-K-3 Leadership Academy. So I was able to go to Alabama this spring and sit in on um, some of the capstone projects for the principals participating in the most recent cohort. And so you know, NAESP is working with about two dozen principals from around the state each year. So they apply to be in this program. Um, and then they do a deep dive into the core competencies around leading pre-K third um, learning communities. And it's a blended model. You know, there are three in-person meetings throughout the year. There's online coursework, online discussion, check-in phone calls. So it's a significant ask for principals who already have a lot on their plate. But during the year, they complete a capstone project and um, they implement a pre-K through third grade reform in their own school. So they look at their own school. They figure out what is most useful to them um, and have and have the year to work on it. And so sitting in on sitting on their presentations, it was it was really, really wonderful to see the progress they made in their own schools, what they've learned, um, the how they're going to continue that work over, you know, in following years, even after the program has ended. Um, so I think, you know, these are just two examples. There's there's a handful more throughout the country that we've heard about, um, but really, really promising in-depth professional development for principals in this area. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for, for that. And, and you, you, you mentioned your, your blog series. Um, so I'll, um, I'll have you um, both um, kind of send me those resources and those links and I'll be sure to include those in the, the episode description for, for this uh, episode. So folks can take a look at that. Um, one thing I was going to ask you just in terms of kind of, and feel free to jump in here too, Laura, but the, just, we talked a lot about developmentally appropriate teaching and, and supporting that. But what other, I mean, what are some other kind of just like things you've picked up on as, as kind of really important skills or kind of best practices that um, the folks who are, who are doing this well seem to be doing? You know, one, one thing that comes to mind I, I know that I've heard um, is this idea that uh, an elementary uh, principal would, you know, develop relationships with um, an, an early ed um, center or the Head Start, um, you know, down the street, uh, knowing that 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 these um, kids who you know who go through those programs are going to ultimately, um, you know, be coming into their school and you know things like that. But are there other things that that you've seen or witnessed or heard about in terms of kind of just general best practices? I mean, I, I think what you the example you just gave is a really important point. So, you know, it's not just about principals. Um, being in charge of the pre-K classrooms in their schools. So, you know, it's also, they might not have pre-K in their schools, or, you know, those children are coming to them from usually some other program. Um, so ideally, if they're going to really be the ones responsible for pre-K third alignment in their, in their community, they should also um, be familiar with the programs that are feeding into their, into their elementary school. Um, so, you know, offering joint professional development with um, teachers in child care centers or pre-K centers outside of the school building, um, hmm. help it, you know, working with center directors to make sure that expectation, you know, figuring out what, sharing what the expectations when children enter kindergarten are um, and vice versa and really developing those relationships is really important for children and, and their families to make sure they're receiving the right support. Data sharing agreements is a is another um, thing that's possible, and we get that you know this is can be challenging um, when in a lot of places there's not necessarily um, you know one pre-K program that leads feeds into one elementary school, but there are you know understanding and knowing the the 
centers and programs within a community and where where kids are coming from when they enter kindergarten is 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 will be really helpful to to principals and when possible um, you know establishing those um, you know relationships to better align the things that Abby just mentioned will not only improve transitions but really um, better connect and coordinate uh, learning for for children and expectations for families as they move through pre-k and in, into the early grades and I'll just say that even when pre-k is in the same school building um, with you know k one and two it's there is still in a lot of places that we've seen this um, you know divide between pre-k classrooms and you know even just kindergarten and just simple things like where principals have um, brought pre-k and kindergarten teachers together um, to do that vertical um, planning or professional development um, it it can really help align expectations for kids um, and communication for families um, and 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 a lot of even assessments and curriculum and and, and discipline strategies so when those things are um, more seamless for kids, they're not having to learn totally different new strategies at the beginning of kindergarten year for, um, you know, practices in the classroom, um, what discipline's going to look like, that, that's just going to get to improve, um, get them up to speed more quickly and get them learning and um, engaging more quickly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Those are good. Those two, the, the two that you mentioned, I, I think are really great. Um, the idea of a, the idea of joint PD, which I think is really super smart. And then sort of the data sharing piece, which I, as you mentioned is, is a challenge, but, um, for the reasons that you laid out is, is super important. Um, I, th I think the piece there that, that is, you know, that is kind of the, the underpinning to, to kind of both of those things is, is relationships and, um, it's, you know, somewhat there's an opportunity, I think, for elementary principals to think about, you know, establishing relationships with those folks um, in those other settings, because um, as the, the transition, the challenge of transitions from early ed to, 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 to K-12, um, you know, there's just these, these siloed kind of barriers that exist in all across, our, uh, all across the education spectrum, but this is, a, this is a, another example of one. Um, and it kind of takes, it's incumbent on the, the folks in each of those systems to, to kind of reach out and, and kind of break down those, those barriers and, and, um, and start those, those relationships. Um, because then I think, you know, the idea of kind of joint PD data sharing, things like that, like those are, um, you know, sort of offshoots of what is a, a, a relationship and, and trust and things like that. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. And there's a lot of learning they can do from each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay, good. That was really helpful. And thanks. So, so appreciate you both of you for, for sharing that. Um, I think we're going to, going to wrap up on, on this, but I, I want to first say thanks to, to, to both of you, um, Abby and Laura, you've been really, really great. You, I, I know, um, around DC, um, and, and across the country, you're, you're both kind of really the experts on, on this. And so really appreciate you, you, um, you know, taking the time to, to share with us and, and our members on this really important topic. Um, before you, you go, I want to get your take, though, 
on kind of the, the, the outlook of, of how you see kind of this early education leadership um, opportunity, I'll say, um, kind of playing out over the next 10 to 20 years um, from a sort of preparation standpoint, support standpoint, um, professional development, which we were just talking about. Um, what's your what's your kind of thought in terms of what this is going to look like in terms of what states and states and districts are are going to how they're going to handle or not handle but how are, how they're going to potentially leverage this opportunity? Sure. So you know, I'm optimistic that there will be changes in this space in the next decade or so. Um, you know, we've already seen some promising work happening in a handful of states and districts, and the interest does seem to be growing. I think. To really make that a reality, though, there's really more investment needed to make this a reality. So whether that's coming from the state, the district, the federal government, such as you know through the Every Student Succeeds Act or Higher Education Act, um, or nonprofit organizations, philanthropy, it really um, it really does take time to make these changes, and they are resource intensive. Whether that's through changes to the preparation system um, or PD that's offered to, to principals. Yeah, and so I think like we're we're opt optimistic. Um, ideally, well, we've seen more and more focus on the promise of early learning, and um, I think principals and and school district leaders and other leaders are are more and more aware of that. Um, and so it, it, more states are finding ways to signal that these years matter, and I think that's going to continue to grow over over time, and not just pre-K, but the full um, birth to birth to five, and in a lot of places even you know prenatal to to um, you know five space. So in 20, ten to twenty years, um, you know I hope to see that that. All, all states in at least some way would have revamped their principal preparation to give all incoming principals a base knowledge of early learning and really just a base knowledge of child development in general um, across that continuum. And then districts really take that lead in providing elementary school principals with more on-the-job professional development that helps them to be strong supporters um, for pre-K and early grade teachers and children, because as you said, in elementary school building, more than half of the kids are in that early childhood continuum, or at least half, depending on how many grade levels are in the building. And so, giving making sure that in that elementary school principals have the support they need to um, meet the needs of the children and teachers in their building, I hope we'll get there in 10 to 20 years. Maybe even sooner. <laughs> I do too. Well, you you both know. I mean, with with all these things, with in these issues in education. I mean, sometimes it, it it just takes time. I mean, I think even you know stepping back a little bit, even just in the role of the principal, um, you know, and just that whole conversation. I mean, even ten to twenty, more like ten, more like twenty years ago. I mean, it was the perception of principals was really focused on. Um, the administrative side and transportation and kind of running the building. Um, and then there was a, there was a really a shift in both the role, but also the perception of the role that there, that truly this was someone who's an instructional leader who's, um, you know, in classrooms and the nuts and bolts of teaching and things like that. And, and, and from a policy standpoint, once there's that understanding and recognition, um, there was, there's been an impetus, I think, to, to sort of better support the role, knowing that um, this is a key lever um, in, you know, expanding quality teaching. Um, and then just things around like, 
you know, the like turnaround and things like that. And so, um, yeah, yeah, but it, it, it's, it's not something that, you know, that happens overnight, but I, I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm seeing the role of, 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 uh, the school leader, as I kind of just mentioned, and in terms of the, the, you know, the, the power and, and, and kind of potential there. And, and then just so much, so much support, you know, across the board for early, for early ed, um, across states that it, it, this feels like a, an issue that really in the next few years, hopefully really takes off and, and you see some sort of, you know, additional energy and resources really put behind it because I think the potential to, to really build, build folks up and sort of, you know, their capacity in this role is, is really an enormous. And so, um, we will see what happens, but, uh, <laughs> but thanks again, Abby and Laura for, you know, for, for chatting today and um we will we'll chat soon sounds good thanks anytime all right thanks a lot bye bye